purpose of shaving? Oh, yeah, we're going to so go into what is, that. What is shaving here for? <clears throat> it's just like another kind of mouth that just has some kind of mission? Well, in order, yeah, yeah, well, it, I mean, I, he's gonna, Ramchal is going to talk extensively about that, but which really, uh, the concept of shadim in many ways, I mentioned last week what their nature was, right? Half man, uh, not half man, half physical and half spiritual, and uh, shadim, which uh, shadim are demons and so on, you know? Shadim are agents, shadim are agents of the Sitra Akra, Sutton. And they are used in that vein, you see. They are used in a way <clears throat> which are able to, uh, to control, which we're going to talk about. There are certain forces of mankind. Uh, there are certain spiritual forces which control the world. And Shadim, Ramchal says later on, have access to those forces, you see. So Shadim are really part of the department of the sun. That's really why, so you know. Uh, we, we see from the Gemara that sometimes Shadim, you know, were, were beneficial. I want to tell you a story last week about Shadim and so on, you know. But uh, basically they are uh, in the camp of the Sitra Akra and they, they do his bidding and, and, uh, uh, and that's basically what it is. So, um, they're, they're the minions of the Sutton? Yeah, that's right. Uh, they are the minions of the Sutton, correct. There are other it's called Malchi Chavolo, you know, uh, angels of destruction, and so on. But that's th those. Th th a Malchi Chavolo is totally spiritual. So but a shade is half and half, and they, like you know, like you said correctly, they are minions of the Sutton, yeah. And they what, many times they are used to control those things that can control us, and in that, that way they can wreak havoc, you know. But in order to understand that, you have to understand the other components of the spiritual world. Which I'm going to get into. Yeah. Is it an Einish of the shade itself? Is a who? Uh, Einish of the shade itself. Because he wants here as a different form. And then it becomes shade. Or it's straight, straight like spiritual. No, they were created separately. By Ben Hashmoshes. Remember that? Embracious? The shade were created uh, Ben Hashmoshes, I think, right? You know? And, <coughs> um, and so on. As 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 uh, part of the team, the empire of the sun, you know. In any case, um, okay. So the Ramchal uh, talks about he, what he's right now into is the components of the um, the components of the universe. Actually, you know. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> what the Ramchal says is a very important part of the construction of the Bria, of the creation. <clears throat> we look at the universe, it's physical. Okay. But there are spiritual entities. And he mentioned, Malochim are one, angels. And the, the, the concept of the purpose of angels is to do what? Is agents to do the bidding of God. You see, that's what a Malach does. That's his assignment. Each malach has his own assignment, okay, what the Bansham wants him to do. How does a malach know? Because the what the what happens is a malach it arises in his consciousness that the Bansham, in a certain sense, is talking to him. It's not Navu, obviously, he's a malach, so on.
But what happens is when the Baruch wants a Malach to do something, then all of a sudden he knows what to do, and he knows it's coming from God, from the Baruch And the third thing is that he has the energy to carry it out. It's a package deal. He knows what the Baruch wants, he knows that it is from God, and he has the energy to carry it out. And that's the way the Baruch wants to rule his universe, through Malachim. The Baruch does not interact, or it, it's, he, in, in a sense that you could see he's interacting with creation. Not at all. You know, he wants to interact through an empire called Malachim. They are his agents, and they do his bidding, you see. And um, in a certain sense, Malachim, most Malachim do not have Bechira. They don't have free will. There are, however, Malachim that do. The higher order of angels do have free will, which is interesting. But it's not that they have free will. They're not going to go against what God says. But therefore, a mal can make a mistake. That's why. Because obviously, if you don't have free will, you can't make a mistake. You see, that was the malach of uh, when he came to cure Lot. I mean, to take Lot away uh, and so on. He says, so he's, the malach said, I am sending. The malach should have said, God is sending. That was a mistake. And I think he was thrown out of heaven for a couple hundred years, whatever that was. And so, on, you know, so the question is, how can a malach make a mistake? And the answer is because he does have free will in a certain sense. You know, not that he's going to go against God, but uh, so therefore they can be punished. Yeah. Practical free will or, or internal free will or, or essential free will? No, it would be an, esen- it would be an essential free will. Meaning, meaning my question is they have essential free will, just they don't have practical free will. It's like the jumping into the fire analogy. You technically have free will to jump into a fire, but in all practical sense, you do not have free will. Uh, yeah, I would go with that. So that, that, that that's yeah, because they, they, you know, every God is everywhere. I mean, that's that's what you mean by them not having free will. Meaning, essentially, they really do, but they will never. They will never do it. Yeah, of course, because they, they live in a obviously a dimension where the presence of the Bansham is complete. You know, you know, why would they do that? You know, uh, so the Bansham wants to have an, uh, a, a universe in which uh, the ones who do his will are the agents, and there are many types of malachim. Many types of angels that are employed, we don't even have the nu- we don't even have no idea who they are, what they are, and their number. It's beyond imagination. And I once mentioned that Malachim can interact with humans, however, then they have to assume a physical garb of which is not them. You know. And uh, then they can talk with you see the Torah is filled with uh, Malachim talking with Doniel and the other you know and so on. Uh, all through Tanakh and so on, you know. Uh, so that's, that's a, a major component of the spiritual universe is Malachim. Uh, okay. Now there's another major component which Ramchal is going to talk about which is very important. And what is that? <clears throat> we look at a physical thing here, you see. So we ask ourselves, we can ask ourselves, well, what, what does this have to do with spirituality really? What the Mershom created is something very interesting. There is a place in the universe, probably Oilem Bria, that, that, that uh, dimension. What the Mahashim did is he created a replica of the entire physical universe. It's a replica. It's koyal, he called it a Koyach Nivdol. A Koyach Nivdol is a transcendental force. <coughs> it's a replica of you up there, which is interesting. And... <coughs> 
it's all of us have a replica in another dimension which is really us every single aspect of us has a counterpart replica spiritual counterpart <coughs> in the upper world see and what happens is that's really us and what happens is that filters down it's like a, a long chain and ultimately manifests itself as us so really what it is is that all of us start in another place and it pops out as far as we're concerned here you see so we don't know of ourselves up there but our origin is really spiritual in other words the origin of the physical universe is spiritual not that there's a spiritual and there's a physical uh, there's an entire world that is spiritual but they that is the counterpart the replica the replica the model of the entire physical universe you don't just mean us you mean the whole bria the whole bria not just humans not, not just, just humans correct the whole bria has a replica yeah yeah in shaman yeah it means every any physical thing must have a spiritual replica up there so are you're referring not to the neshama the neshama is not part right, of that so, so correct in terms of our the physical universe yes so in terms of our growth correct yeah so all things physical must have a spiritual origin in uh, in a, an upper world but how would you explain why now so now uh, that's, that's a very important idea that we are really even the physical being starts out or the origin is a spiritual entity which is really us I mean everything is physical Every, sorry everything is spiritual correct let's say a table what is the table same thing What's it has a spiritual uh, entity up there that represents this table words, there's no such thing as a physical object that has no spiritual counterpart there's no such thing every physical and in terms of person humans whether it be Jew or non-Jew whether it be table house furniture you see machine gun right doesn't make a difference everything has a spiritual origin and that is you up there you see and then what that does it slowly degrades and degrades and it becomes physical you see so we're really talking about one entity that has different uh, different um, appearances depending on which universe it's in but it's really one thing you see now that's a very important idea because what it indicates right is that everything has an origin in Rukhni in spirituality you see <clears throat> now what is it was that does it filter on its own or do my love and take it filter you said it filter it degrades in steps right? yes yeah so who degrades it or it degrades on its own it degrades on its own I mean that's unknown you know but ultimately it will wind up here as a let's say uh, uh, let's say a dog right a dog has a spiritual counterpart which is called dog now we have no idea what that is but that's the origin of that dog and it filters down degrades until it becomes a dog in the physical universe now why is that interesting or important uh, because what is interesting is that if you can manipulate your spiritual counterpart you must you must uh, conform to that spiritual counterpart you see it's against your will because that's your physical body for instance 
if you can have access to that spiritual counterpart, right? And let's say you move it without knowing how it works, you know? Let's say you, could, you perform an action which here would be movement and up there something, just for explanation, you know? Let's say you move that spiritual force. Then all of a sudden you move and you don't even know why. It bypasses your consciousness, you see? It's like, in many ways it's like a puppet or a, ma a marionette, right? The marionettes, right? Uh, you know, uh, you can move them and they follow the movement. They, they, there's no free will against that uh, strings, right? They will follow the strings, you see? So that's a very important concept. Is that, is that what? Is that no. No. Let's go slow. Okay? So, it's like a marionette, right? Except the origin of the, uh, the, uh, the marionette, whatever, right, is, uh, is, uh, is the, uh, the two, the two uh, sticks, you know, and the strings. In this case, it's really you at a higher level. So, if somebody manipulates that higher level spiritual you, then you will automatically conform to whatever, to the movement of that uh, origin, spiritual origin. You see? So therefore, what's interesting, you know, is that if you knew how to manipulate all those spiritual things, right, origins, right, that uh, you could do anything you want, literally. Because whatever you're doing it to, the physical must conform to the spiritual. You see? <clears throat> That's a very important idea. Now, assigned to each one of them, is a malach. And the malach has a sheet called instructions. That sheet, which is called instructions, right, tells the malach exactly what you need to do to move this uh, spiritual entity. You see? That sheet is called teva. You cannot veer. In other words, if, if the, you see, in other words, uh, there's a set of rules that the malach must conform to, that's its instructions. And therefore, that malach can move that uh, spiritual entity according to the instructions, right? And down here, whatever corresponds to that entity will immediately conform to the movement up there. So, so therefore, two ideas so far. One is that everybody, every physical entity has a spiritual counterpart, which is really that thing, and that degrades to become physical. Second thing is that there is a malach up there that is constantly manipulating that spiritual entity, and therefore the physical representation of that will automatically move in the same way. And the third thing is that there's a set of instructions. That's called teva. You see? Which is interesting. That means if you can get the Malach to not follow the instructions, all of a sudden, <coughs> that thing that conforms would not follow the instructions, would not be Teva. <coughs> that would be magic. Magic is nothing more than breaking the rules or the instructions that are standard. That's really what magic is. It's a non-standard way of an object doing what it's not supposed to do. You see? 
But the way you do it is in somehow getting the malach, right? You, you, get, you say, okay, I want you to change the instruction. You see? What does that mean, for instance? You know, you have a sefer, and you get the malach to change the instructions, and all of a sudden, this sefer will rise, levitate, against gravity, you see? And therefore, it must conform, and lo and behold, the sefer rises. You see? Which is pretty neat. You know? Yeah. Well, and there's whole ways of doing it, by the way, you know? It's not simple, what? Oh, so wait, yeah, okay. So, that's white magic and black magic, and you have to understand. But I'm showing you how it works. The way magic works, what is magic? Magic is fundamentally a deviation of Teva, of the natural law. That's all it is. But the question is, what is natural law altogether? You see? So what is natural law? Natural law, whatever, is <clears throat> when the Malach will do to this entity, spiritual entity, based on instructions, which it never violates. See, and the fact that it always can be counted on to work in the same way, that's teva, that's nature, or natural law, you see? Therefore, you, if the malach will be forced to change its regular uh, control over that object, then we look at that as magic, and it is magic, you see? So therefore, what reality is, and this is really what reality is, reality is every physical thing, I don't care what it is, has a spiritual counterpart that is in some way administered, controlled, directed, whatever you want to call it, by a malach, assigned to that particular thing. You see, and that's really, let's say, Kriyas Yamsuf, right? That Yamsuf should never have done what it did. How can a sea split, you see? But what Moshe Rabbeinu did, which is interesting, and that's how he did it, he was Mashpia, the Malach. That's really what he did. He was, not Mashpia, he, was, he influenced the Malach that, that represents the Yamsuf, you know, the Red Sea, right? And he said, okay, right now all you do is make it flow. I don't want that. I want you to split it. And all of a sudden the sea split. That's how it works, you see? And Moshe Rabbeinu did that. Of course, the Bosham told him to do that, you know, whatever, and so on, you know. And, uh, but fundamentally, uh, the, um, the mir a miracle, all miracles occur because the Malach changes the rules. That's a very important concept, you see. And therefore, there's a set of rules, as I said, for instance, so you go into the jungle and you meet a tiger, Right? Well, that tiger has an origin in spirituality, right? In whatever oilum, probably oilum bria, right? It has an origin there. The problem is that the malach in charge of the tiger has a set of rules. See person, eat dinner. <laughs> right? That's the rule, you see, right? So guess what? It sees you and it eats dinner because that's the rule. You know, like for instance by Doniel, right? They threw him in the den of lions and believing they didn't feed the lions for a couple of days. You know, so anybody going into this is dinner immediately. You know, they don't have to cook him up. They just eat the guy raw, you see. But <clears throat> Donil went in <clears throat> and in some way the Malach changed the rules. You see, that the lions did not eat him because, you know, there was a whole deviation from the rules, you know. Whether Donil did that 
or the Bonsham did that, doesn't make a difference. If the Bonsham does that, then he'll do the same thing. Okay, Malach, Tova. They will not eat the Neil, and that's it. So all the Malach does is interact with the representation of the lions, and then nothing happens. You see? All the movements of anything that has no free will are completely controlled by the Malachim. You see? So therefore the motion starts from up there and goes down and influences the object. You see? All, so, so therefore anything that hasn't, all bugs for instance, animals, you know, whatever doesn't have free will will always be influenced by the, the direction of the Malach on that spiritual counterpart. That's what happens, you know? So a deviation is either Kishif or an ace? Uh, an, a, yeah, Kishif is nothing more than a Ness. But not, but the one who changed, well, we'll, we'll talk about, the one who deviates the idea, you know, is not through holiness, it is through the Satan. Because he also can control the Malachim. And that's when it becomes Kishif. In other words, if you access, if you call what we talk, if you call the Satan, you must be the Satan, so to speak, you know, by thinking about Seamus, Tumma, right? Then he will accommodate you because you've now aroused the Satan. He will take the Malach and change it, and that's called Kishif. See? But the problem is that Kishif is when the Satan is doing the job of moving the Malach which is very bad because you are now using satanic forces, as they say, to do that job, and therefore the Satan now has a claim to you, you see? If you use him, then all of a sudden he now has a Kesha to you, you see? But ultimately it's Kishof, you see? And it works because of that. All things in this world have the origin, and they will uh, move based on the Malach, if he's reading his directions, or not. That's a very important fundamental structure of the Bria. So it comes out that in the spiritual universe, what do we have so far? We have Malachim, right? And the second thing we have is Koychus Nivdolim, transcendental forces that are really representa spiritual representations of the entire physical universe. And since we are physical, and the third thing in the spiritual universe is the Neshama, you see? So since we are the neshama connected in the body, right, to the, the guf, right, we can be controlled because of our bodies, not because of our neshama. Neshamas are not controlled in that manner by malachim, you see, but we who reside, the neshama, who resides in the physical body, they can be controlled by the malachim, because that's what it is. Our physical body has a counterpart, the maila, you see. Why not the neshama? Nishama is not Nishama is an entity independent of Malachim. A Malach can only control the spiritual entity that degrades into a physical, you see. But the Malach has no control over Nishama. It's a separate entity. It's much greater than a Malach, you see. They, they, they don't have the ability. They, it was never given over to them to control Nishama. That's only if they're assigned. If they're not assigned, they can do anything. But they are basically they are assigned to control the whole structure of physical entities. You see, 
and that's it. So it comes out so far that there are what? There's the neshama in heaven, spiritual entity called the neshama, the soul. Then there's the malacham, angel. And the third thing is the transcendental force, those counterparts to the whole physical universe. You see? Those are the third spiritual forces. There's one more force which is spiritual, which is way above everything. And those are the spheres. Those are the ultimate powers or forces that emanate in a certain sense from God himself. And they are not spiritual in a way. They are spiritual, but they're not like the lower three. They are eminent emanations of the Rabbani Shalom that controls everything. You see, it's like the fingers of God. You see? So in the end, you've talked about four different things in the spiritual world. You're talking about the spheres. Then you're talking about the neshama. You're talking about malachim. And you're talking about transcendental forces. That is basically the totality of the entire spiritual universe, you see. And these, of course, have repercussions, as I say, in terms of, uh, in terms of um, the control, who controls what, okay? Uh, of course, in terms of the physical universe, which I will talk about more next week, you know? But so far, this is a setup. This is the whole Bria and so on. You see, and once you understand that, the, Jew, the job of the Jew, which is really interesting, is to take the body and purify it, you see, where the body, in a certain sense, where the individual or the body itself now becomes spiritual and connects with its count counterpart, you see, and then the Shema will come into that uh, uh, the neshama which is really in the physical body but it's apart from the physical body but the physical body itself is connected to this spiritual counterpart in heaven so when you do zikuch when you purify the physical you don't purify the neshama like I mentioned last week with the whole task of a Jew is and so on you purify the physical so that physical now becomes as one with its spiritual counterpart you see then the neshama, when it's in that type of a situation, when the neshama is now in the physical, that becomes, uh, the, now in, when the neshama is now in the physical, that was the purification of the physical counterpart, and it's now become the spiritual, right? There is no more blockage of ruchnius in heaven. So that's really ultimately what it is, is to take the physical, right? To retransform the physical all the way up right into its spiritual counterpart you see and then the shama will be in that and then there's no blockage you see uh and, and so on and then the whole both ascend higher and higher into ultimately the ulum habo itself and see you see that how the how it works the whole mechanism the whole uh plan of how it works and so on you know any questions well, there's a whole concept of the fall, like the Bnei Mal, you know. There are two malachim in the beginning of the Bria that fell. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Those are the, the what do you call it? The uh, nephilim. Yeah, the yeah. They were formed on malachim. Can't be the only No, 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 no. Malachim are really angels. I mean, malachim that are part of the entourage of these. There are a whole bunch of fallen angels that are flying around, or is it, or is this created specifically to be malachim? 
What, 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 what my question is, for Malachi Chabala, are the Malachi Chabala essentially Nefila? No, it's much more than that. No, 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 of course were not. They, were the Malachi Chabala created to be Malachi Chabala? No. They, they were Malachim that felt that they can come down, right, to the earth, and they thought that they could manage. That's only two of them. Fine. No, but Malachavola is not them. Oh. Malachavola is much is a whole a whole kingdom there. Right. So the Malachavola were created to be Malachavola. Malachavola were created to were be as part of the Sitrachah's domain. So they were created as Malachim for the Sitrachah. Oh yeah, sure. They yeah. weren't Malachim that were part of Shemai, but then. No, no, no. That's another group. That's a separate so group. Kind of anti-Malachim. Anti-Malachim who didn't feel him. No, no. The Malachavola are kind of the flip side of Malachim. That's what you're saying? No, no, I, there's Nephilim, right? I, but then there's a whole group called Malachi Chavola, right. Angels of so, Destruction. So the Malachi Chavola were created kind of as agents of the Satan. Yeah, yeah, as part of his, uh, so that's why it's called Sitra Achra, so the other side. that are completely spiritual as opposed to the Shadim, which are partial. Yeah, Shadim are different, yeah, exactly. They're half physical and half spiritual. That's right, yeah. yeah. A lot of things going on. Scary. Okay. Scary? We live in it, <laughs> you know. In the Gilgit Rebbeinezer, it says that Satan was brought down and he grabbed the coil with him. Yeah, there's a yeah, I know. Yeah, I tell you, there's a lot of this, you know. But better keep. Let's keep it simple. Okay. You um, know? Anyway. You you mentioned Korchas Nivdonim. The what? Korchas Nivdonim. Koiches Nivdolam, yeah. Right, that uh, Malach could uh, influence your body. Uh, yes, the ones that control, yeah. Independent of your Neshama. So Neshama cannot prevent it, cannot stop it from no, happening? No, no, because you're connected to the Guf. You can't prevent it. As long as you're connected to the Guf, you need to follow. It's like a uh, you know, rope that you're, you know, schlep you, you schlep along with it. <coughs> you know, it's, you know, the vulnerability of the Neshama is because it's connected to the body. That's why it's so vulnerable. You see? So that's why the, the task of the Neshama is to retransform the goof where it won't be, you know, it, it's, and, and that itself is a process. You know, in the beginning, it's, um, uh, the zikuch itself takes time. But ultimately, what happens is, is that the body is retransformed, one. And the second thing is that the body, even the spiritual body, no longer has dominion over the Neshama. The Neshama is now complete control, even with a spiritual body that used to be a physical body. You see? But that takes another thousand years. And then the Neshama is now the real, everything is in control. And the physical body, which is now the spiritual body, is now transparent. And it has no control, no dominion. It has no effect whatsoever on the Neshama. Well, that's the big Echad is the transformation. But in the 8,000th years, it really begins. It also begins where the Shama is completely in control. In control, yeah. The exact, the Hashpah, the control of the Shama, really starts in the 8,000. In the 7,000th year, they're both equal. Uh, you see? So even though you transform, to a certain extent, the Guf into its spiritual counterpart, but there's still an equality here. From the 8,000th year and 9,000 and so on, right? Then, the, the, then that ability of that spiritual entity that was the body loses complete dominion. Has no influence whatsoever, you see? That's why you see when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemayim, he didn't eat, yeah, where was he? He was in the same equivalent as the 7,000th year. 
with the Khatkov, yeah. Yeah. Where his his body had no uh, no influence whatsoever because he didn't have to eat or drink. It just it became what's called inert. In like a physically inert body. Adoration was in that you said he was in Priya, so was he in that state? Yitzira. Yitzira. Uh, which state was uh, I mean, Yitzira, but he was still the body had some say. Yeah, he said uh, yeah. Yo, or else what's he being you know. But yeah, that's seven thousand year with his inequality. Only me two is these seven thousand year. Oh, so Khatkar, you do have inequality. What's the eight, what's the year eight thousand hits? Then, then it begins to, the, exactly. Yeah, the seven thousand year is the equivalent of Olam Yitzira. So there is an equality, right. you know. So it can still influence you in that sense, you know. It's only later on that it completely becomes inert. And it just exists as a transparent form, which ultimately is the is like I say, it's a spiritual entity. It was, you've converted yourself from physical all the way up to being a spiritual entity. Right. You see, and then that has phases in terms of its ability to influence how the neshama. No, how is there no danger anyway. of, of failing again if there's equality? Because it's beitoy. It's the tikkun has done. That's why. Meaning Hashem will make sure there's no, nobody does anything. Yeah, because exactly, it's no. It's, it's not dependent on merit. It's end. The well, end. is the end. Nature of, of the universe at that point means that your work is done, so there's no more reason to give you bechira. Yeah, not only that, the sultan is destroyed. There's no evil. But there's still a body that has needs. Uh, well, f- in the seven thousand years, it, it's equal to the neshama. So it'll get its it get its sustenance, whatever it needs. Whatever, it, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, and so on. Yeah. So you begin to see now what the job is relationship between the physical and the spiritual that the physical itself has a spiritual counterpart and the trick is to get this back up into that and then to remove the influence of the sp- of that spiritual force within the shaman now completely dominates you see and the concept of malochim it's really a whole structure with the kind of malochim they control the spiritual counterpart that controls the physical and everything basically is controlled by the malochim <coughs> and then the whole question of can you manipulate the malochim other than its instruction sheet which is teva that's really what teva is you know it's complex but that's basically you see how it all fits in terms of the tikkun okay great